Amen. Okay, well, the bit of paper doesn't always help me because I'm like a stick of rock. If you cut me through, I believe this so emphatically. I've lived it for 40 years. It works. It's wonderful. It's called the good life. And it's the life that God brought us in his son, Jesus. And it's so awesome. And it gets more awesome every day. So, um, the living the life that God intended us to live. This really has to do with the life of calling. And he's called each and every one of us by name. And Jesus calls everyone to come to him. And, uh, into, and there's a call. Something that really hit me this morning was that when you, when you read his word, when you know what he's said, when you hear what he says, it's eternal. So what was written 2,000 years ago or prophesied that years and years before that, when you read it, because you're a spiritual person, you connect with that and it has great power to pull you into your eternal destiny. And every one of us has an eternal destiny. Every single one of us has that. And it's really interesting that when the first man fell, God didn't just leave him. It says in Genesis, it says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And I would say, he says that initially calling us into a relationship with himself, but he calls us every time we get distracted. It's almost like he locates us, his word locates, he says, where are you, Sandra? Where are you in this? You know, if you find yourself in a bad place, where are you? Come out of that. The Bible says that he calls men and women to repent, to change their minds, to change their direction. They were going one way, now we go another way. It can be with tears, it can be with our minds. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, said that he came in kicking and screaming. He didn't come in with tears, he just had to come to a decision that he knew that God was right. And he came as a, a, into faith that way. We, join, we get joined back to God as we accept the gift of forgiveness. And boy, do we need the gift of forgiveness. Every single one of us needs to know that we are forgiven. Because very quickly in life, we carry baggage of things that we feel we've done wrong. I remember many years ago watching a program about a little girl who got her hair caught in a swimming pool filter. She was about 10. Her hair was being wrapped around in the filter. And she said these words. She said, my life passed before me. And a 10-year-old can know that. We are spiritual. I find it fascinating that we don't get a grasp of time. We say, where does time go? And it flies, doesn't it? And we, we sort of try and grasp it, and we can't. We chronologically put it, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 8 a.m., 9 a.m., so on. But actually, we can't identify with that. And I think that's a clue to our spirituality because we're, we're eternal stuff. And it shows up all over the place. 
Genesis 1.27 says that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. And this is the center of who we are. You know, on Alpha, we discover that we're always looking, always looking for our father, always looking for our center, always looking to why are we here? What is the point of it all? What, what am I here for? What am I here for? Is a big question. Once we accept this gift of salvation, which Jesus offers to every single one of us today, we're no longer slaves to sin, but sons and daughters of the living God. And our calling is rooted in our identity. You know, John Wimber used, I think he said something like, you know, um, I used to think I was a sinner saved by grace. But now I realized I'm called to be a son and daughter. And I think that's where I got stuck in the Pentecostal church. It was a constant gospel service. But I can't, but if you just think you're a sinner saved by grace, you just go on sinning, really. But if you know that you're a child of God, if you know that you're made in his image, if you know that your life has purpose, if you know that you're called into a relationship with a holy God, then everything that doesn't fit into that image has to go. And you feel that tension. You feel that tension that you don't want to sin. In fact, you begin to hate it. And you begin to love the grace and the mercy of God. And you live in it. And it's a wonderful place. And God stops being a judge. He becomes a father. And he becomes the father you've always wanted. The father is totally accepting. And if you don't find this center, you try to find your significance through your achievements. What you achieve and then you look back. And then the danger is you compare yourself with somebody else. And then that's always a pitfall, isn't it? Because there's always somebody higher. There's always somebody lower you can compare yourself with, but there's always somebody higher. It doesn't work. God is our father and treats us as his very own children, chosen, known to him. If each hair of our heads is accounted for and every word on our tongue is known before it leaves our mouth, we've got a father who really is powerful enough to save us out of every situation and in every situation. This belonging to God as his sons and daughters has to be something revealed to us ongoingly. You may sit there and think, well, I don't need saving this morning. You do. We do. He's a saviour God. He's a redeeming God. He's redeeming everything the enemy's ever robbed from you. He's redeeming your life back to you. He's redeeming prosperity back to you of body, soul, mind and spirit. He's redeeming life back to you. Everything about God is life. And everything about the devil is darkness and hatred and discord and jealousy and factions and biting and backbiting, hatred, discord. It's all that stuff that we don't want to be part of anymore. That's not who we are anymore. John 10, 14 says this, and I think it's worthy of at least a year's Bible study. John 10, 14 says this. Just meditate on this. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. How do we know? Just as the Father knows me, my sheep know me. My sheep know me just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. How about that? I tell you, the greatest problem we have, it's very obvious, that when we leave here and when we leave his word, we forget who we are. We become disconnected to that presence of who we are. 
And it's so easy to forget that we're sons and daughters and heirs of the living God, carrying with us the power of the kingdom to pray for others, to have a word of knowledge in the streets, in McDonald's, where it counts, out there, that when we get embroiled in anything of a family thing, you know, a thing that goes on in a family, we walk away from it. We literally have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. We get out of there as fast as we can. Let's have a look at Romans, shall we? Romans 8, 14. Um, Romans 8, the Apostle Paul writing. He, says in, he starts in verse 12, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. You see, you live purposefully. You don't just get up and hope that the day goes well and wish you'd have stayed in bed and, and almost wait till the stuff hits the fan and you're just going to get sucked into it or you're going to get clobbered or it's going to be a heavy day. God puts something in you in this sonship business that is absolutely like steel. It's always, Jews are very good at holding two opposites together. They can hold weeping and they can hold celebration. Apparently I heard, you know, that it was quite in order in the concentration camps, if they got a fiddle, that they would worship God whilst knowing that their loved ones had just gone to the gas chamber. We have this binary way of thinking, this double way of thinking, but Jews have a holistic way of thinking that God is in everything. So God is totally sovereign, but that doesn't exclude our, our choice. And he, we say, oh, well, if he's sovereign and he works everything out, why do I have to bother? No, we, we can hold the two in tension. God is working out his good purposes in our lives, and I still have all the freedom to choose. He's still sovereign. So, yes, 8.14... Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you, are, if you live according to that sinful nature, you'll die. You'll die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which is a term of endearment, Papa. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We're God's children and we know it because we know that what we really need is a father. This is our calling, a calling to be continually saved from everything that would harm us or put us uh, or keep us in any sort of bondage because Jesus, the Son of God, died on that cross that horrific death to rescue us from every 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 bit of evil that could come against us you know in Romans it says no harm will befall us and sometimes we get knocked about but we're not harmed in our spirits we are strengthened in our spirits when we go through stuff we're free to become who we really are lovers of God and and as we get connected to him in this way we are joined together properly and that's why it says you cannot say you love God and hate your brother you can't do that because the one goes with the other I when we um when we went to teach the kids and they asked questions and um, some of them had seen a horrific film I've only seen a, a minute of a trailer called The Purge 
some, something about in America, there's a day of lawlessness, and it's horrific. And um, the thing that really hit me was a thing that is wrong with all of us. When, when Adam fell, and we fell in Adam, he didn't just become disconnected to God. He became disconnected all the way through. You know, we, we'd only get to another chapter and we've got Cain murdering his brother, his own brother. He murders him. The war goes on. And, and God asks him a question. He said, where's Abel? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are, actually. Yes, you are. And when the children were talking about the things they'd done wrong or the things that they could do wrong or the things that could go wrong in Rawns if there was a day of lawlessness and looking at the effects and results of atheism and those horrific um, things that Pol Pot did, Hitler, Stalin and all those people, um, it was really obvious that they had no sense of connection, no sense that it, it bothered anybody else what they did. And it really came home to me that this self-absorbency, this selfishness, is really, really endemic in us. It's really part, we can't help it. This is not, this is not criticism. When, when we live disconnected with God, we are disconnected from ourselves and from one another. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? It, it's even hard to love your wife and your children or your husband and your children. You can become critical of the people that's closest and dearest to you. You can reject people out of hand that have done nothing wrong, just the color of their hair or the color of their skin. There's war in homes. You don't have to look for Brexit. You don't have to look for ISIS. You don't have to look. You just have to look within yourself and see this inability to love, this inability to love those that you should love. Why did Cain murder Abel? Because he was jealous, insecure, didn't know who he was. What happens when you get forgiven? You get restored. And as you get restored to God, you get restored to one another. And that's why it says, love me, love one another. If you've been forgiven much, you forgive. I think that story in the Bible where um, the, 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 the wicked servant was forgiven much and then went out and found somebody who, had, who owed him far less. I think that God is giving us a spiritual uh, disease that we have, that we even have as Christians that we, so it says in Peter, doesn't it, that if we don't add these, all these goodness things to our lives, we forget, we become short-sighted that we have been cleansed from our sins. This is an awesome, wonderful offer today. This is good news. This is today. Today, we can say, Jesus, I believe you died on that cross. I believe you've called me out of darkness. I believe you want to love me. I believe you want to restore me. I believe you want to give me the power to love and to forgive. I believe that you have all good things for me. You know, the Bible says, all my fountains are in him. A bit obscure, I know. But it means everything that I need is in that relationship in Christ Jesus. It, it's, it's an awesome thing. John Calvin 
who's a great theologian, um, wrote this. Nearly all wisdom we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists in two parts. The knowledge of God and of ourselves. True and sound wisdom. The Bible in the message puts it like this, and I love it. Um, okay, Ephesians. Can't find it. Hang on. Be patient with me. Here we go. Ephesians 1. It says this. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. Free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either abundantly free that's the good life right there he thought of everything provided for everything we could possibly need letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making he set it all out before us in christ a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in in summed up in him everything in deepest heaven everything on planet earth it's in christ this is, this is the punchline. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had his designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. I love the life that God gives me. I love it. When you're able to forgive people who have hurt you so badly and messed up your life so badly, that was my beginning. And when you look back, we, um, Liz and I were looking at a photograph of me when I was 14 years of age in a home. And um, it wasn't a care home. It was They were called convalescent homes, but... Poor kids were just sort of dumped there for a month at a time um, to give their poor parents a break, I think. And, um, and in the background is a matron with a flowing sort of big hat. And Liz said, do you identify with that? I can honestly say I don't. I can honestly say that I am a new creation. What is the process of a new creation? To forgive, to forgive. To be forgiven, to forgive, to be forgiven, to forgive, to be forgiven, to forgive. That's the healing process. It doesn't matter whether you do any of these inner healing things, whether it be Elijah House or um, Heart Foundations or Sozo. It's always rooted in the Holy Spirit showing us where we've missed the mark, where we can get right and healed, and where we can release others. You see, unforgiveness is the, is the poison we drink that we wish the other person was drinking. Unforgiveness is the biggest thing that will queer your life up. You can spend your whole life just with one thought going around. Why did he do this? Why did she do that? I know, I did it. Why did my mum give me up? Why did my dad do that? Why did my mum give me up? Why did my mum give me up? I became like somebody demented when I thought I'd found the home that she might be in. She was dead banging on the door, 
desperate to get hold of this woman that I wanted so much to look in the face of and see something of a resemblance of myself, some connection. That is what is offered in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were made in his image. We are, we are sons and daughters. In essence, that's who we are. When we keep missing the mark, when we behave sinfully, when we don't forgive, when we don't connect, when we don't love, we are not true to ourselves. We are made in the image of a loving God who is love, who forgives us not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have eternal life. And this eternal life is the quality of your life when you wake up at six or seven or eight in the morning till the quality of your life that you go to sleep. Wake up saying the Lord's Prayer. Go to sleep saying the Lord's Prayer. Look for opportunities to love. Feel that conviction within you when you're not kind and you're not loving and you're putting a distance between you and somebody else. And let God warm your heart back into his presence where he loves and accepts all men. He loves and accepts all men. This day is our day. Today is the day of salvation. As we come to know that our God has given his life for us, our life takes on value. We are valuable. Our bodies are valuable. Our words are valuable. Our deeds are valuable. Life becomes a whole nother deal. It's not going to work or, you know, it's not finding your life through your achievements. It's not whether the people at your job are going to treat you well or not. It's your inner life. It's your inner value, core value that God so loved you that he gave his son for you and he would today. And he adores you and he accepts you. And he welcomes you and he understands all your failings, all your shortcomings. He knows you've been knocked about by life and he loves you passionately. He will chase you down. He will not let you go. It is his design on your life to have you. Give in. That's my recommendation. Give in. We treat our bodies with respect. We don't have to find our comfort in food or alcohol or addictions. We don't have to find our comfort in, I just need to chill out and watch a good film. We don't have to do that, actually. Because that does actually, that really takes us out of reality and puts us into fantasy. And all right, some fantasy is okay, but you need to come back to reality. That when you lay your life down for him, you get your life back. That's a deal. Anyone who wants to save his life will lose it. But anyone who wants to lose his life, you know, for the sake of the kingdom, will find it given back. And it's given back abundantly. We were always hard up till we tithed. Always counting the money in till we tithed. We've never looked back. We've never been without. It didn't matter whether it was a rebate or a gift or, you know, I've told you the story about one, you know, God telling me I got 500 quid when I was getting holes in the sheets. And I said, no, no. It's funny how you argue with God. No, I ain't got 500 quid. I said to Roger, yeah, I believe God said we got 500 quid. No. Ah, when we bought the house, if we closed by a certain date, they put 500 quid in account for us. We've got 500 quid. I said, we've been struggling all these months and we've got 500 quid in the account. Gave him a proverbial slap and then we got on. Okay. So... 
Um, I love him, yeah. Uh, the, the whole, I love him because God has enabled me to love him. I never was able to love anybody properly. I was waiting for any signal of rejection and then I would beat them to it. I was a nightmare. I was a mess. Jesus took me in and washed me and cleansed me and gave me his spirit and gave me a purpose for life. And I love it. I love it. And I love him. And it's wonderful. Okay, where am I? We're valuable. Okay. This is an adventure. You know, who's the guy that teaches on Central Vineyard? Uh, who is he? Roger's gone. Got a goatee beard. Uh, teaches on the kingdom, that bundle. Mayhew or something like that? No. He, he said... Derek Morphew. Derek Morphew. He says that you have got to, and I recommend this if you're believers this morning, you have to grapple with the word until you believe it. There is so much in the word, isn't there? That just as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Do you get that? Uh, do you get that? As the Father has loved Jesus, so he loves you. Have you got that? You see, I think we can know the words, but we have to wait till we have the revelation. We have to wait till a penny drops. And we're all in the same boat. It's all right. We can know the word, and it's good to know the word. But whilst it stays information, it's not producing the life that it can produce in you. So when it drops, when I tell you that God loves you, do you believe it? Would you leave everything to follow him, knowing that he will never, ever fail you? Do you have confidence to speak to the stranger in the street or pray for somebody in a cafe? Or is your life too absorbed with yourself? You see, when you give your life to Christ, you can keep giving it away, and you keep giving it away, and you keep getting something back. He came for the lost. He came for the broken. He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came, I came for the sick. If you just own up and admit that inside you're not as all together as you look on the outside, then he's for you. In fact, he's for everybody. He's for everybody. He's for everyone. And he's able to deliver everyone to a good life of calling and identity in him. We are sons and daughters of this wonderful creator. And he's our, our example. And, you know, when I believe, when the heavens opened and God said to his son, as his baptism, um, you are my beloved son. What did he say? Matthew 3. 30. He said, you are my beloved son, didn't he? And could you do something else for me, if you've got a phone, Dick? Could you find it, that scripture where Jesus washed the disciples' feet? Because I think, I th keep thinking of that, and I think it goes with it. So Matthew 3, 13 I don't know how I'm doing for time. How am I doing for time, Shane? 35 minutes. Oh, my goodness me. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, Matthew 3, 13 says this. Um, 
Jesus, uh, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to turn him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Have we got that other scripture? John 13, wonderful Angie, thank you, my dear. And I'll finish with this, Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I think this so goes with it at, at the other end. That was the beginning of his ministry, and now we've got the end of his ministry. John 13, what? Okay, listen to this and love his word. Ask Jesus to make you hungry for his word. It was just before the Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And, it, and we read that he takes a towel and it takes the place of a servant and washes his disciples' feet. He knew who he was so he could give his life away. He knew who he was so he could serve. Brothers and sisters, what God offers you is awesome forgiveness, is an identity as his child, a process of restoring you back to that original, original place where you were, where you love him and you know his presence and you know his word. And he restores you back to being completely all right with everyone else, they don't press your buttons. You've got no buttons to press. You know who you are, and you can give your life away, and you can pray, and you can teach, and you can talk, and you can share, and you don't have to be worried about anybody because God so loves you. He'll cover you and smother you with his grace. And I just recommend him to you today. If you don't know him, it's the easiest thing in the world. You turn your face towards him, and you say, Father, forgive me and accept me as a son. Any combinations of anything like that, I want to close in prayer. Father, I thank you that you came to rescue, to save, to deliver, to snatch us away from Satan, to cover us and protect us and hide us to allow only that which we can deal with with you, that you love us as a saviour, as a lord, as a father, as a comforter, and you promise never to leave us, never, never to leave us. And our lives do not depend on other people's opinions, but our lives are totally dependent on the unfailing love of an excellent father. We thank you this morning that you're so, so good. Oh, so, so good to us. Amen? Amen. Thank you very much for listening.